Welcome to the Upgrade Your Education Business podcast. I'm your host, Samantha. Thank you so much for tuning in today, and I hope that you find this episode useful. If you're new to this podcast, each week I share fluff-free, actionable ideas tailored to education businesses that you can mould to suit your needs. And finally, if you enjoy listening to the podcast, it would mean the world to me if you could leave a review on iTunes or follow and subscribe on whichever platform you choose. Thank you once again for tuning in. Hiring a virtual assistant was one of the best things I did for myself and my business. If you're not sure what a virtual assistant or a VA is, it's simply when you hire an assistant with whom you work remotely. It's not, as some people think, a machine. And I suppose the word virtual sometimes makes it confusing. But deciding whether to or what to spend money on in your business is a tough one. It's unnerving to consider decreasing your profit when you've come to rely on it. But the thing that transformed it for me, the thing that continues to help me decide whether or not to spend money in my business is mindset. Instead of seeing spending money on my business as an expense, I see it as an investment. And it has to be an investment for me to be willing to part with my money. If you want to know how to approach hiring someone so you know who to look for and what to delegate, how to navigate how much you can afford and how to delegate work that you feel needs your expertise, take a listen to episode 21, where I share lots of actionable ideas to help. That's episode 21. But today I'm going to build upon a lot of what I discussed in that episode, including the specific systems and processes I use to make working together and growing a team smooth. And during the episode, I'll be sharing advice from my VA and Louise Purvis, who's a VA and a productivity coach. Together, we'll help you fast forward any challenges you might face if you're new to hiring people into your business or to fix any challenges you're currently experiencing. As I talked about in episode 21, my mindset shift to seeing spending money in my business as an investment was triggered when I started investing in automation. Once I felt the relief of knowing that something was reliably doing some of the heavy lifting for me, and when I saw how much time it released, I didn't hesitate to continue investing in automation. Because when you invest in something that makes you feel less stressed or does some of the work for you, it naturally makes you be able to deliver services and products to a better standard. And it helps you make better decisions because you feel more clear headed. And of course, that leads to greater results in your business. But there's only so much technology can do. Sometimes you just need a human. Now, because I'd already realized the benefit of investing in my business, I wasn't hesitant as such to hire a VA. But what did make me a little apprehensive was, well, was actually two things. The first was the prospect of welcoming someone into my business and setting up the processes that were needed to make it work well. And the second was working out how I could delegate tasks that I thought needed me, or at least someone with an educational background. I'm going to start with what I have in place to ensure that we can work smoothly together. But if you're at a stage where you want to know how to even decide what to delegate and how to approach the planning side of things, listen to episode 21, where I talk about creating a to not do list. I'm going to hold my hands up here and admit that what I'm about to talk about was something I built as I went along. 
ideally, I would have had them in place from day one. So I made the mistake so you don't have to. And my first VA who still works with me has been amazing at patiently persevering through all my changes and giving her input into what she thinks would work well. The first thing to consider is how you'll communicate and work together on tasks and projects. The golden rule of hiring someone into your business is not to delegate and just leave them to it. You have to keep touching base. You have to keep monitoring how things are going and you have to support whoever you hire. When you hire someone to relieve you because you're drowning in your workload, it's tempting to just pass work on to them and trust that they'll get it all done. But that's risky. Firstly, what if they make mistakes that are hard to unravel? That just adds to your already heavy workload. But also integrating someone into your culture, even if they're a freelancer, creates a stronger relationship with whoever you've hired and they care more about your business. No one will care as much as you do, but we all know the feeling of working for someone who values and supports us. It motivates us. And this highlights something that's worth being aware of, particularly if you've never hired into your business before. Hiring someone and working with them is work. Just because you hire someone to take some jobs off your hands, that person still needs your time and support. So at first, it might be challenging because by hiring someone, you'll initially be adding to your workload. However, once you gain momentum of working together and they release time for you, Juggling all the things you do with supporting them becomes much easier. So back to communication and systems to help us work seamlessly together. After trying lots of methods, my team and I use Microsoft Teams for all our daily communications. I chose this for a number of reasons and I'll share them because you might choose a different app and when you're exploring, these factors are worth considering. Firstly, I thought about how I could keep everything connected so that people don't have to log into multiple apps every day. I use Trello for a lot of my project and task management and Teams seamlessly integrates with that. So that was one influencing factor. Another factor was future-proofing. When you're working with just one person, you have some room for things not being quite as slick as it could be. But what if your team grows? I considered how teams would work if I had a team of, say, 20 people or 50 people. I did the same when I decided to use Trello. And for both, I decided that the features they provide and associated future costs were affordable and effective. So when you're choosing what apps to use to manage everything, don't just look at your situation now. Think about the future. As I chose a Microsoft product for our daily communication, it made sense to stick to the same brand for things like our shared calendar. This meant that everything could be integrated easily and team members don't have to log into different things. So here's what I have in place to make our working together smooth. I have an app that allows us to communicate easily, that can also facilitate creating project teams. And for this, my app of choice is Microsoft Teams. For monitoring and guiding my team through the actual work they do, I use Trello. I use Trello for things like project management, task management. Sometimes I use Microsoft Excel for tracking progress when it's tidier to use that instead. And I simply share the file in Trello so that everything is still in one place. In Trello, I also keep things like meeting records, links to useful information like my calendar, my Calendly link for booking our catch-up meetings, manuals, and so on. I also have an employee handbook of sorts that details important information like what to do when you're taking a holiday, 
but it also includes our etiquette, if you like, and how we work. For instance, I detail how all daily communication takes place on Teams, but anything more formal happens via email. I show them how to book their monthly catch-up meetings with me, and I welcome them to contact me for anything outside of that. So it means that everyone knows how we work, what to do in certain situations, and importantly, I want people to feel confident and well-supported from day one. Louise Purvis shared some useful advice from a VA perspective where she said that she'd love it if clients had communication channels in place from day one and stuck to them. My VA, who's fully booked, so she doesn't want me to share her details, also reiterated this. And she added that your VA might have their own preferences. So talking about it from the start gives you an opportunity to compromise. I think that these are really valuable points. So far, because I have things very structured and easy, I haven't yet had anyone say that they want to work differently. Even though they use their own apps for certain things, they don't struggle with using mine as well. But that's not to say that it will never happen. So it's worth considering whether there's room for flexibility when you set things like systems and processes up. And on the subject of communication, my VA mentioned how important it is to actually communicate well, that it doesn't necessarily mean every day, but those methods of communication need to be open and flexible. And this is especially important when you're working with someone remotely. So having some simple systems and processes in place makes a huge difference to how well you can work together. And it sets a tone. So the fact that I have a snappy communication tool in place sends the message that I expect us to be communicating regularly. Having formalized monthly catch-up meetings in place means that people know that if there's something bigger they want to discuss, they can. And it allows me to stay on the pulse of what's going on, what challenges they might be facing and what we can do to improve things and so on. Now, as I was talking about these systems and processes, I mentioned the concept of having manuals. You might have missed it because I said it quite quickly, but because it has been transformational in unlocking just how much I can smoothly delegate to team members, I'm going to take a quick moment to talk about it. I create a step-by-step -step manual for every task that I delegate or want to delegate. And because I've almost trained my mind into thinking like this, whenever I do something new, like right now, I'm building my YouTube channel, I set out a process that I could easily involve someone else in, even if I'm doing it all by myself at the moment. On Trello, I've created a team management board, and here I store all my manuals and login details for apps that others have access to. I have a documented process of what to do if someone leaves. That way, when someone joins, I have a template of what to include on their Trello board and a record of what they have access to. And that itself is also designed in a way that would enable me to get someone else to take care of it later down the line if I wanted to delegate. And to be honest, this process of keeping things really organized and documented has helped me hugely in my business, because when you're designing processes with the mindset of keeping the door open to getting others involved, it forces you to streamline and create clean and easy processes, which makes my job much more efficient. I, for instance, create weekly, if not daily content for 10 content channels, 10. This includes social media and this podcast. But the processes I have in place, my content calendar, my content pillars, my strategy, all of it helps me do this without it being too time consuming. 
And because so many people have talked to me about feeling overwhelmed or struggling to keep momentum going across far fewer platforms, last week we mapped an in-depth content strategy in our Tutors Mastermind session. Do remember, these sessions are all recorded, so you can catch up with them even if you become a member now. The links to everything you need is in the show notes. But having clean systems and structured processes in place for all of your business tasks, I have found helps me get someone new started fast. And what's great is that when I'm onboarding someone new, I can even get my VA to show them the ropes. I don't have to do it all of the time. Something I'm going to finish on it is a really valuable thing that my VA shared when I was planning this episode, and it links well to our mindset and approach when hiring a freelancer. She said that it's important to respect that your VA has their own business to run too, and that can come with some of the similar challenges or tasks that you face. For instance, they too don't get paid for time off, and that needs to be considered when they state their fees. I wanted to mention this because when we look for anything really to spend our money on, the price is often a big influencing factor on our decision. But when you take the investment mindset, you look at the value that that investment will bring to the table, the return on investment, if you like. And so, as I discussed in episode 21, I think it's important to place more importance on what investing in that person will do for you and your business. Of course, we do have a budget to stick to, and I choose to use my budget to decide how many hours I can hire them for over whether I will hire them in the first place. So when you combine this episode with episode 21, I hope you'll walk away with complete clarity on how to approach hiring someone, how to delegate tasks that you feel needs your expertise or specific experience. And I hope that you can get all the things in place nice and early that helps you seamlessly integrate someone into your business. Would you like to take this discussion further? Perhaps you have some questions or you'd like more ideas you can tailor to your education business. If so, book a free discovery call through the link in the show notes or visit www.upgradeyoureducationbusiness.com.